One of the things I was so stressed about, and we, and now I'm not stressed at all, is that I'm just going to go up to the next weight class, right? So because I wasn't losing the weight, you know, my body was in like shock from the two different types of nutrition plans, and it wasn't gaining weight, but I wasn't losing anything. And so I was like, you know what? Let's just look and see what the records are for 57 kilos. They're even lighter than the 52 kilos, even lighter. So I broke all of those records in training this week. Yay! Every last one. Bench, uh, bench is my weakest lift. Bench, deadlift, I I basically blew it out of the water. And this, and, and squat, I goes, I'm like, what? So fine, we're gonna go break the record at seven kilos. And then we're gonna come back and do it again and break the record at two kilos as soon as I lose all this weight. And then I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna seesaw back and forth between each one until I feel, yeah, I know lots of people that break break records in different weight classes just because. So why can't I be that bitch? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is very exciting. Yeah, so I was very excited. And yes, that deadlift, ooh, that's the heaviest deadlift I've ever done in my life. That was like, that was impressive. That's 250 pounds. Yeah, that's crazy. So I was super excited. Like, I, I almost couldn't contain myself. <laughs> I don't know if you saw. I was just like, I was in shock. Oh, when no, I you were so excited. I mean, it was very, it was so, it was wonderful to see such joy. Like, it's really so much of, you know, social media is fake joy. That was like, you were like, that is real. That is yeah. awesome. I have never felt so ready for a competition as I am right now, but I know it's all the way I'm being coached as well. I like definitely, I just have a better, I, I can't even begin to tell you how much I appreciate Solana. Like That's today, so great. I just thought about it. And I was like, there'd be no way I would feel as confident as I do today if it weren't for her. That is so fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So hi, everybody. Welcome to Women Bridging the Gap. This week, we decided we were going to talk about our dogs. Mm -hmm. Partly that's because both of us are exhausted and tired and the world is shitting on us. And yes. we just need a moment to to talk about, well, as Lenny says, the loves of our lives. Sorry to our partners, mm -hmm. but this is definitely a show dedicated to our best friends. So, yes, I, yes. Met, I met Mosby. We got to meet all three of our Aussie dogs. Yeah, and, and so Mr. Mady was the first dog I've ever had. He was Kadeem's dog. And obviously, you know, when Kadeem left home, I, I kept him Mady, Mr. Mady. And uh, yeah, and it's funny. I, I love Mady. Don't get me wrong. Um, I loved him a lot. He was my dog, but he, he, I didn't choose him. Kadeem chose him, but Mosley, I chose him, you know? And so he was my dog 100%. And Yes, he was at the end of his life and, you know, and he was a lot of... He, Everybody listen, he was blind and deaf. Yes, blind and deaf. Just to be and clear, this is Lenya's love. When you chose him, was he blind and deaf? Yes. Because he was already uh, like over 10, like he was 11 yeah, or something. He was, he was definitely at the end of his life. His story was sad, you know, and I'm not going to go into it because it'll just upset me more, but... Yeah, we gave him the best last five years of his life. This dog traveled. We went like when we finally removed his eyes. Well, the dog went from Australia to LA. The dog traveled. I mean, <laughs> we took him on vacation as well. Like, <laughs> but these dogs too. I mean, Peanut has been more places than more people I know. 
But yeah, he, they moved to Australia and that from Australia here. That was a hard journey. I, I worried the whole time. I, I worried the whole time. It. But, you know, they made it. And I don't remember the first couple of days in the new house because it's hard for you a blind a child growing up. Were you a, did you have pets growing up? My mom, no, my dad didn't, wouldn't let us have anything. And then my mom kind of like, I don't know how it happened, but we got a cat. And his name was P. Mooney. Named after a puppet that was teaching all of us English because, uh, you know, English was a second language really in our house. And so it was kind of hard in the kindergarten for us because, you know, our grandmother only spoke Spanish and, you know, and so this puppet was helping us learn English. And it's Mr. P. Mooney. So my brother's named the cat P. Mooney. And so we had P. Mooney for years and years and years, but I always wanted a dog. And I remember when I moved to Australia with my my first husband, the reason why I said yes was because he promised we could have a dog. Oh. So after we were there for about six months and we got our house and everything, we got Mr. Mady. Okay, I just had to look this up about people. And I just looked up the, the, the puppet. What a creepy looking puppet. I know. I know. I, I didn't I didn't realize until later. Yeah. I mean, like we had a dog growing up. Well, we had one that my sister let go of the leash and we never saw that dog again. And then we got another dog, Max, who was really with us, you know, our whole childhood. And I have to say I have a lot of really it's sort of a it's a dark story because Max we loved Max very much. My job after school was to walk him, and he was a standard poodle. He was not a rescue. He was a standard poodle. And he would pee in his legs, so his legs were dyed, like, yellow, like, gross, like, pee yellow. And I was embarrassed to walk, and he wasn't well-trained. And when I would be embarrassed to walk him, like, after school, where people oh, would oh. see me. And so he got very short walks. And he was never, and this is horrible. I mean, we were horrible. You know, my family was, my parents were sort of not in a good place at that time. And everybody was working really long hours. And that dog really spent most of its life in the basement. I mean, it's so cruel when I think back. I mean, not like all the time, but the idea it slept in the basement because it couldn't go around the house. It would spend, if nobody were home, he had to be in the basement. It was in the basement wasn't a particularly nice basement. So it was really a shitty life. And I and I think, again, dogs weren't treated the same as they are now, like in the 80s, in the early 80s. Yeah. But still, both my sister and I kind of get stomach aches when we think about this dog. And so I think when I went to go become a dog owner, really in 2000. Oh my God, is it 2014 was when I first became a dog owner here? Like, so very recently when I got Harry, I'd say dog guardian. But when I first became a guardian of a dog, like it was like, I have to really commit. It's the biggest, like I got to leave this dog. It's bigger commitment than my commitment to Eric. Because Eric could survive on his own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it is, I looked at Harry and I was like, you're mine for life. And it's, mm-hmm. and I mean it, you know, so it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's so, I have a lot of guilt around 
I have a lot of guilt around Mosley that I have to kind of let go of at some point. Why? I I let I kept him alive a month, probably too long. He suffered for a month, but I just couldn't let him go. I get that. The I other think- two, the other two, I was like, oh, they're in pain, they're suffering. They've got you know, we've got to we've got to take care of this. And so they we put them to sleep. And I think Mady suffered a little bit because we weren't quite sure what was wrong with him before we realized how bad it was. And then we put him to sleep. But with Mosley, I kept putting it off. I kept calling the woman who was going to come to the house and saying, oh, he's fine this week. We'll just let it go another week. And he was not fine. He was just going downhill. And I, I was terror. I just have to, you know, but I just, I just didn't want to let him go. Like I still dream about him and I, I still feel him on the bed with me. I've had that, you know, Eric and I were cat people and we still have a cat, you know, but we were cat people before we were dog people. And we let one cat go on too long. You know, we Mm -hmm. just couldn't bring ourselves. And we just kept hoping for a magical turnaround, which is funny because in my own advanced healthcare directive, you know, basically if I break a leg, Eric is to kill me. You know, I mean, it's so... And I mean, I'm, and my sister is really going to be the person in charge because he'll never do it. But I don't have, you know, I don't want to be a vegetable. I don't want to, you know what I mean? I don't want to live in pain. I don't want to live with a feeding tube. Um, yeah. And so, you know, but the idea with the, with the cat, I was like, well, we can figure this out. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I was so empty and gets my own, my own values in a, in a sense. So Harry's looking at me right now. He's keep me alive, mommy. <laughs> right, Harry? Well, it's hard. You know, it's we could sit here and share like all our our horror stories, our horror stories with our with our animals, because I think all of us have these these moments. But where as soon as you said we just need a day where we're talking about pets, I was like, oh, I can talk. I could bring culture into it because it, it, it I can because I, you know, I think, so you don't, do you take your, you, there's, they're little, I mean, peanut and butter, buttercup are little, you don't go to dog parks. No, no. But up until a couple of weeks ago, they weren't vaccinated to this new flu either. But I mean, they don't, we barely walk them because they're such an unfriendly bunch of dogs. I, let me tell you, I mean, this is going to sound terrible, but when I got peanut, I knew nothing about chihuahuas. I just thought, oh my God, this is the cutest little thing. And they put him in my lap and I just I'm like, oh my God, I have to have him. And I take him home. And then, you know, he is the most unfriendly piece of shit ever. And I, I didn't figure out it's because he's a chihuahua and that's part of their nature. And then we got another one. So to wow. the two of them together are horrible. It's really hard to walk them. It's really hard to walk them. Her especially. She's the alpha. Yeah, so I don't take them to dog parks. If we took them to dog parks, then we would be that we would be that person that everybody talks about behind their back if they come. Well, I mean, I we're not going now because our new rescue Olive really doesn't like them, and we haven't gotten the vaccination yet for the that new flu, the new flu. But I have to say though that you know there are rules at dog parks, and it, it does drive me crazy when people don't listen to the rules. And, you know, one of the rules is you don't take a puppy to Mm -hmm. the dog park because puppies smell different and other dogs are going to aggressively try to teach that dog. So you just don't do it. And then you also don't take unfixed dogs to the dog park. And it amazes me, though, because culturally, not every 
person fixes a dog and and it's so you know and i even though i have very strong feelings this is where i sort of have to this is that weird line right of course i think there are way too many animals way too many cats way too many dogs go unchecked get left out that's why we have rescues so of course you should fix but if i run up against somebody who says well it's my culture not to then you know what do you say what culture is there that doesn't fix their dogs i don't i'm never i don't understand where is that oh my god even in new jersey people would say oh italian american household they wouldn't because there's a little bit of machismo they don't want to cut the balls off the dog yeah but that's not culture that's that's Mm -hmm. in 2021 you don't think that somebody would say so here's the here's my question to you how do we define what culture is 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 culture you know, I'm not going to decide as a white person, that's your culture. That's not your culture. I just have to look and say, well, if a majority of people in a town share an ethnicity and also share a practice, I'm not, maybe that's just happenstance. I mean, maybe it is just happenstance, but maybe also it's a culture and I'm not going to police it. Right. Otherwise I'm a carrot. So like, yeah. yeah, So, you know, it's so, so fucking hard. Excuse me. I'm at the dog park and a person who is a different culture than me, like not a white person. It has a dog with their balls on at totally actively aggressively. I just have to leave the park. Yeah. Any time before 2020, I would have said, excuse me, see the rules over there. But I can't do that. You know, I mean, that's I just have to leave. And and that's a problem. Like I do, you know, I feel a little hindered because the rules are clear. They're out there. They're for the do what you want. But don't yeah. it's just if you don't want to wear a mask, just stay in your house, man. Do you know what I mean? Cut the balls off your dog. Yeah, you're right. But then there's also those those dogs that are show dogs that don't. They don't because they are going to breed them. Well, exactly. Well, that get don't even get me started. Right. I mean, like. That yeah, would be like, hard. you know, do we really need show dogs who have to breed? No. Right. But we don't need to watch, you know, even them, show dogs are not going to dog parks, at least no. not dog parks in Los Angeles <laughs> that are like the dog park. I, I go to a few, but one of them is right by Griffith Park and it's right off the, I mean, it's like on the freeway. No, there's no <laughs> show dog there. Like there, there's, there's rescues. And I, honestly, that's one of the nicest dog parks I've ever been to, but everybody's really chill there but if anybody who listens um anybody who's listening that watches sex in the city will remember the episode (laughs) with oh my god now i can't remember which character it's the character who gets married and has the jewish husband and the two kids she originally got a dog yeah and the dog came from a woman that was a breeder and she showed her and the dog was not fixed and then they went to a dog park and every male dog ran a train on the dog. And it was like really funny on, on Sex in the City. And then she got pregnant and had babies. It's a whole storyline. But it, you know, it goes to show you that you do not bring dogs that are not fixed to the dog. Well, I always were. I mean, my dog is fixed. But I mean, he. I mean, I've, I've told fine. everybody about Harry and I feel bad talking about Harry. Harry is the best dog. I mean, he's per- my sister calls him perfection. He's amazing. And he looks like a science experiment because he looks part. Some parts of him look like a poodle. Some parts look like a terrier. He has very short legs and kind of a long body. And he's a weird looking dog. But he's my dog. And I love Harry. 
and here's the thing. He's a white supremacist. And and it bothered. And, you know, I got to say, we did. He came from Orange County. So I'm just saying. But he we go to a dog park and he finds the Siberian Huskies and follows them around. And he tries to hunt them. He will not play with other dogs like he loves to play with the Huskies. I mean, he'll run around with the terriers. But if there are white Huskies there, he is. It's gross. It makes me so sick. It makes me so sad. He has such a bias one direction or the other. Well, I mean, I have to say I have that problem differently with Peanut. Peanut only likes black women. If any white woman comes in here, it takes a long time for him to become friendly with you. See? But instantly, instantly, if you are a brown or black woman and you walk in here, he will be your friend and will not bark at you. And it, it, and it was, it was a little like confronting at first, you know, oh my God, my dog only likes black people, (laughs) black and brown. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. I mean, animals pick their, pick their things and I'm never going to, I mean, I am only saying this in jest, but I do, I sometimes Harry is particular with dogs and with people. Yes. But you, there's no rhyme or reason. Why'd you decide to get a rescue and not buy a dog? So even in Australia, all three of our dogs are rescues. I don't remember what, like I had a conversation with my first husband about it and we just thought it would be better, but we rescued, we rescued Mady as a puppy. And then by the time we rescued the other two, we were not rescuing puppies anymore because puppies are a lot of work, right? And so we rescued Billy. He was five. When we rescued Mosley, he was 10. And we were looking for the older dogs. The dog, Like when I went to the, to the rescue organization to get Billy, I said, I want the dog that has been in here the longest who's the oldest. And that's what we got, you know? But it was that's just so, so happy. We did the same thing with our first cat. Eric and I had been together about six months and we decided, you know, we were playing grown up. And so we went to the San Francisco shelter and said we want a cat nobody wants and we got Simon and then he lived about a year and then we went back and we said okay we don't want a really old cat because we can't do a death every year so we asked to find the cat nobody wants and that's when we got Izzy and yeah and we had her for eight years so no I mean I always love I mean rescues know they're rescued and they're always so it's just such a wonderful bond and it's great to work with them I mean we're working with Olive everybody I don't know if you know but I got Olive in March we adopted her she was let out she got pregnant not fixed she was um, impregnated and then the owner just let her out and (laughs) when they found her and called the owner the owner was like I don't want her she was pregnant and so the fosters took her in, had her spayed, got the puppies, worked with the rescue, and I found her. And she's she's so gorgeous, and she's amazing. But she is she's young. I wanted five, but you know nobody wanted her, and it just dogs find you like yeah. I, and so we have her. So she's two, and she's big. She's sixty five pounds, and for me that's huge. And. She's very strong and we're training her. We have a dog trainer come on Sunday, uh, Saturday mornings and we're practicing. It's, I think I told you last week. I mean, the dog trainer keeps calling Harry grandpa, but I've been working with Harry like every day on the same skills and Harry's, I know you're just going to give me the treat if I just do what I want to do. 
Like, I'm just going to do, I understand that you're saying go to the spot and lay down. If I feel like it, I will. But otherwise, I'll just stare at you <laughs> with my limpid pool black eyes and make you feel like shit. And then you will give me the treats. And that's what happens every time. So he's not going to be trained. But Olive is doing great. Like, we definitely, uh, because she's big and scary. I mean, it's, she can be scary. She's a bark like a monster. But the bark so, is worse than the bite. Well, that's true. But if she ever decided, I mean, it's interesting to have a dog in your house that you feel could kill you if they chose to. That's sort of how I was like, we have a dog that could kill our cat, kill our other dog, and possibly kill the two of, two of us if she chose to do so. It is interesting. I mean, she's a people pleaser. It's, I'm not worried about it, but it is a different kind of relationship because I'm like, training you is important because you could kill me in the middle of the night if you chose to. But she could also kill whoever walks in and is trying to I, kill you. Know, I got to say, that's true. And we don't have an alarm system on the house. And <laughs> I just announced that to everybody. <laughs> Nobody knows where I live. It's fine. Oh, my God. But, Meanwhile, my house is freaking Fort Knox. I have cameras, alarms, bells, whistles. Yeah, I have nothing. I don't. Not even a ring camera? Nope. Eric had some stuff on his house like that. I just can't. It's just not. Rings are actually kind of cool, though, because if you're not home, then at least you can, you know, see who comes to the front door. I don't care. I don't care. I don't think I care. I mean, deliveries? No, I mean, like, it's, I mean, I hate to say it. If a delivery gets stolen it's pretty easy these days to call and say my delivery didn't get here and they nah, i just don't i don't i mean i understand it it's just never something i didn't grow up with it i i really feel yeah. like if people want to get in they're gonna get in i just i did grow up with a doormat now. yeah okay. see well you grew up with some i grew up with nothing like i not I mean, I, and I also just think I have a, I think I have a, and it's so funny because I really, when you think about it, I have a suspicious nature. I really do. But I also have a very trusting nature. I was like, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's just stuff. What do I care? Which is kind of how I, I don't, uh, eh, if they really want my TV to come, you know, come take the television. Like, I don't care. If they come take my computer, it'll be like two days without work. That kind of sounds like a vacation to me. So <laughs> you need a vacation. I was just in Albania like a few months ago. I just so I mean, you need a vacation. Yeah, I need a vacation. But it's not going to happen for a while. I mean, I'll I'll go pro before I get vacation. <laughs> My dogs won't kill you when, when, if you walk in the door, but they will surely announce you. The entire neighborhood will be on the door for a good 20 minutes. So, yeah, I think that they're a deterrent, even, even though they're like so tiny, because the oh. noise from those two, you can hear them down the street. Well, and hey. Chihuahua's bite. Chihuahua's yeah. bite. Well, peanut yeah. doesn't bite, but Buttercup does. You got to be careful because she'll she nips you. Yeah, she she's she's dangerous actually. She is dangerous. Peanut won't bite you. He uh, he's only ever bitten one person. And she deserved it. So, but Buttercup has bitten a few people. Peanut is not a biter. Peanut is not the one to worry. But let me tell you, like I said, Buttercup is dangerous. You can't even 
Jane, like she's dangerous. Our loved cleaning lady would get attacked on a regular basis. And mind you, Buttercup has known her since the day we broke the breads to play. Oh my God, Buttercup. And she's so cute. It's a shame. People, and people think that because she's cute, that that's an excuse for them to try to pet her. And I have to warn them a million times, she will bite you. Which yeah, is another like, reason why I all the time. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, that happens all the time where people, I sort of think people is, either people are like too afraid of the dog and then they actually make the dog very active. You know, they're sort of, you know, the dog gets really nervous or people just treat the dog like they're going to be the best friends. So I'm like, whoa, whoa. I, I mean, that's another reason why we are, we rarely take them out. And plus, they're so tiny. Just running in our backyard is is a lot of exercise. I would love to get to the point where I could take Olive on hikes, but she's not well behaved enough yet. Harry used to love going on hikes, but he, now the heat just gets to him and he plops down and refuses to move, much like his mom in the heat. So <laughs> the heat will be over soon. I hope so, because I hate it. So it's fine. It makes me very tired. So how are you doing other things, though? How are you doing with all the... I am really losing my patience with our president. I'm really losing my patience. And I'm really losing my patience with our vice president because she should be on his neck about some things. And On she's his not. neck? Did you say that? Did you say that with intent? Yes, she okay. should. She should be with that boot of hers on his neck. I mean, listen, and you're on fire today. These yeah. people voted you in, and you are allowing them to see other people of their skin color being whipped on horses. Yeah, that yeah. Tra- I have to tell you that those pictures traumatized me. They traumatized me. I I didn't even I could not voice my my feelings about it for so long because they really I I, I had a nightmare and I mean I, I think it's just so weird I had a nightmare about it. No, those photographs have haunted me too, and I don't and I and I've actually thought about that because why did those pictures affect me? So much more than the pictures. I have to say, I'm not even sure it did. I mean, I'm I'm feeling slightly numb to all the bad things that we do on behalf of immigration, whether it's those pictures. But I was going to say the children in cages. Oh, God, that also. I mean, they upset me, but it didn't traumatize me. And I think it's because it was I could just almost feel the passive violence. It was passive violence, right? People just doing it, at least those are the photographs. But that picture of the person on the horse. That was active violence. That felt like active violence. And so, so much was, it just affected me so much more. And what's interesting is I have a friend who is, uh, works with horses. And she said that that rider's treatment of the horse in the little video was also just as, I mean, not just as bad as hitting a person, but just as cruel and, and very bad. And so... Who are we? You know, I, who are we? It's as if we forget that this country was built on people who weren't indigenous to this space. 
and that we have the right to keep people out. I feel, you know what, if you want to start talking about immigration, then all your white asses need to go back to Europe. <laughs> really? So, well, because oh. you don't belong here either, you know, but then when you say things like that, people get their backup. That's why this whole guy, that modern warrior on TikTok and Instagram gets so much hate because people don't want to hear that. They, you know, like they, they, they want to choose the history that they want, which then brings us all back to this problem with critical race theory and and learning the real history of our, you know, country. I don't know. Yeah, the news has been shit. Let's just say that. No, but I want to. Let's talk about the Facebook thing because that news. Oh, wait, I'm not done with this. I'm not done with this, though, because I want to at least point out that there is what bothers me about the, and then all of you Europeans should just go back. Well, one, there's a lot of immigrants here that aren't from Europe that, so let's just say all immigrants. No, but I'm just talking back. about the people who are are complaining, complaining. the most. Yeah, absolutely. But I'd have to say one thing that I wish we could talk about more honestly is have a longer lens. Mm. Have a longer lens and look at all of humanity, war and conquest. Like so, if we're going to and realize that war conquest and blocking blocking flow of people and food to and food it, like but everything into into an area that's human it's not just american so at least i want to mm-hmm. at least say okay let's we're trying to have a conversation i wish we could have a better conversation about it because we should be able to evolve past our own worst instincts which is clearly war conquering pillaging and 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 kicking out who we don't want so but i want to say it's a humanity problem so it you know it's not an american problem it's not an american problem and and but i think we're so much more outraged by it because we've been really using as our motto you know, for years, uh-huh. bring us your tired, you're hungry, you're poor. And we're like, well, it depends on what color of your skin, you're tired, you're hungry, you're poor. That's where I feel like we can, that's where I feel like we can win the conversation. I think it's overstating the argument to say, you know, it's just Americans or just this and 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 we should get out. I was like, no, conquering has happened for eons. And mm-hmm. that's what, that's what happens, you know. Yeah. But, you are so right. But I think that it's, but yeah, can we evolve past it? And and can't we figure out a way to? No, because. Start? Can't we look at Star Trek and move in the direction of, of what Federation? I heard Please. something that made me think of you so much. Yes. There was this girl. I overheard this conversation at LaPan. This woman was talking about how she was at a Target or something and she could see over the shelves and there were these three like kind of nerdy white guys and they were talking about star trek and they were like well talking about the different races oh yeah i wish i could like you know have a conversation with a klingon and, and you know and have a conversation with a romulan and oh my goodness we should just bring all it would be fantastic to have all these races and apparently these two little old ladies a white old lady and a black old lady passed by and listened to them and said y'all need to shut the fuck up because y'all can't deal with the races that are in your um, backyard right now and walked away. And the woman that was telling the story could barely 
keep her face straight as she was telling the story to her friend. And I cracked up, like trying, <laughs> I cracked up and I said, I'm sorry, I didn't you? <laughs> but oh my God. It's oh my God. When I, I thought mean, of you and I meant to text you right away, but I just couldn't believe, it. I was like, this little old lady read these three books you guys can't even yeah. do with the braces you have in your backyard. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my. Apparently they were silent acting back. I can only imagine. <laughs> Meanwhile, like they've all flunked out of high school Spanish, but they know, but they've actually learned Klingon. So yeah. that's also probably what happens. <laughs> <laughs> God, Alex, like, it's like, could you imagine? I, I was like, if I had been in that situation, I don't even know if I would have been able to keep it straight. <laughs> Once a really long time ago, I was, it was in one of my many jobs that's not on my resume. I was reviewing resumes for a consulting company and somebody had on their um, resume fluent Klingon. That's part of their interests. And you just know I interviewed that person. You just know. Like, you have to see who that person is. I mean, how, where, where do you become fluent? And then where do you make the decision to put that on your resume? And this wasn't, by the way, this wasn't an LA job. This wasn't an LA job. This was like a tech, I mean, nerdy, but tech, but not, oh my God, not Comic Con. I really, that person didn't get hired, but obviously. Anyway. <laughs> but oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. But can we just talk about Facebook for a minute? Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, all going down after the whistleblower. And then it all being such a kawiki dink. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe laugh the most. Right? He said, I'm not on Facebook or Instagram very much. I only post to Instagram via TikTok, right? So I didn't even know it was down. <laughs> well, I didn't know it was down either because I've been curbing my interests and I get a text from a friend and I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, massive, massive outage. And I was like, oh my God, everybody's going to get a lot of work done today. And I know that's like totally slighting small business owners, ads, Facebook mm-hmm. groups and, and classes that yeah. do stuff. I totally get it because they oh. are a major part of commerce. I It'd yes. be like if Amazon went down for the day, what the heck would we all do? I mean, I totally get it, but it's even beyond that. Do you know that there are people who, who when they do their shopping, they use their and their um, Facebook login as ways of getting into different websites. They couldn't even do that. They couldn't yeah. even do that. Apparently, uh, according to this um, Facebook employee that's on TikTok, which is hilarious when you think about it. <laughs> they couldn't even get onto Teams. They couldn't get onto Slack. They couldn't do any work that, that some of the people couldn't get into the building with their passes because everything for them was down. Now, I have this theory that um, I have this theory that they were hacked. But Shane's theory is that they were in the background deleting everything. Deleting everything. And they want their employees to know. But regardless, I just think, what a coinky dink. But yeah, I feel I'm not like sure what happened, but I do, I do think it's sort of that same idea that how, how did we blink and this has become the, our social fabric? I mean, there is, yes. interestingly enough, I just rewatched Six Feet Under, which, okay. by the way, if nobody's ever seen it, one of the greatest TV shows ever. One of the greatest TV shows. And it actually is still pretty 
it still works. Like it isn't dated. I mean, so the phones are a little off. Obviously, you know, the computers are big, but generally speaking, other than everybody looking at a phone all the time, you know, they're still on the phone all the time because the cell phone had kind of made it. But what's really fascinating is that even just how they worked in the world was different. So even though honestly, clothes looked the same, attitudes felt the same, the difference I mean, they were definitely a Gen X show, so they really hadn't captured necessarily millennials and Gen Y. But there is definitely since it it started, I think, in 2001 and then 2002 was post 9-11 season. They do Mm -hmm. actually have the before and after of what kind of country we were before 9-11 and post 9-11. So they capture all of that. So so much of it feels and they actually talk about race in some interesting ways. I mean, clearly they have an interracial gay couple on the show, but they also have Puerto Rican American or Puerto Rican who is an American, a Puerto Rican part business partner. And there's some like, you're being racist because you're saying that we shouldn't do this, but you're not understanding the culture. Like you're not understanding this culture. So it's already like touches of, of that. But yeah. here's the thing, no, no Facebook, no social media, really. And so what was interesting to me is that still there was nothing about people posting their lives outwards, you know, yeah. so it was still very insert. And then you realize and then people went to grocery stores and people did things. People weren't order Amazon. I don't even know where we were with Amazon at that point. Probably just books back then because I was one of the first Amazon book buyers. So the idea is that it's amazing how in less than 20 years, be, like Amazon, Facebook, social media, social media really has changed everything we do. It's how it's every, every company you work for has social media stream, yeah. right? People are, can have businesses. I mean, a lot of good things, right? You can have a business idea and just put it out there in the world and see, you can stick your toe in commerce without having to go to a bank with a business plan. I mean, so lots of really good things, but lots of really bad things too. But it's, there's just no way to, to say it's just not completely a different world. I wonder, I mean, the WhatsApp seemed more upsetting. So I read that, you know, it was upsetting for me because that's the only way I could contact Kadeem. Right. So that's, that's, that would seem very, but I didn't even know that Facebook owned them. If I had known that, I'm now switching. I'm going to get him to switch to a different one because I'm not getting this whole MFR anymore, my money. I, I, I really hate being on Facebook as it is. The only reason I'm on Facebook, and I'm telling you this, is for the podcast so that we can engage with our listeners because a lot of our listeners engage with us there more than on Instagram. But y'all need to be on TikTok. Let me tell you, if you're all on TikTok, we will definitely open a Women Bridging the Gap TikTok and then you guys can see us. We can go live. No, okay. I like to I like, I like to come stuff. on this screen like with my hair not brushed and a mess. I don't want to be on TikTok. Well, you never look a mess. You're harder on yourself. I come on here with my bathrobe, and I still couldn't care less if you saw. <laughs> well, I think I kind of feel the same way too, actually. But it's but I yeah, I've thought about recently. I have to say, I have taken one step closer to TikTok. You've been sending me stuff, which is very 
persuasive. <laughs> you know, I noticed that Lenya's sort of sneaking it in. Just look at it. She's actually emailing it to me. So she knows I'm going to get it. And she knows I'll procrastinate my writing. Like, what did Lenya send me? And then I look at it and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And then I get a little bit closer to downloading that app. But I haven't gotten there you yet. You don't have to download the app. Don't download the app if you don't want to. Just look at it online when you want to. That's okay. the best thing about TikTok. You don't have to download the app. But that Harvard professor that uh, is the professor, and he um, speaks Gullagichi, is my favorite, favorite, favorite account. I learn so much about different patois and, you know, Southern culture versus like Caribbean culture. It is fascinating, fascinating. And I could just sit there while um, reading, like going down his feed over and over and over again. And now I'm following a man who walks around New Orleans and talking about different historical things from um, about New Orleans and the tie back to French culture. It is fascinating. All right. So, now yeah. you're, all right. Just one. I'm one step closer. One step TikTok closer. is interesting. I feel like it's a little bit more. It's a little bit more educational than the other ones. Because well, you can go in a direction that yes. can be educational. Yes. You can yeah. find what you can find very good information from people who are feel unafraid to be able to say what they want to say, which I think is a problem on TikTok. I mean, a problem on Instagram and a problem on Facebook because you are so policed. Right. I think I'm just now out of Instagram jail, which is good because I'll be able to post tomorrow's <laughs> tomorrow's episode on Instagram. So I'm sorry, people. I'm sorry to our listeners. I have been in and out of Instagram jail for about three months now. Well, it's really crazy to see like what really has been happening. And I have to say, like for white people listening, really go and 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 Google this and really see how much is really happening where Facebook and Instagram are in Twitter, I think, are police people speak out about race. And it tends to be the people who speak about race. It tends to be Black people who are speaking out about race or p other people of color. Asian right? and indigenous people, indigenous people, especially, especially right now, are being silenced in a in a horrible way. And it's it's one of those things where I think white people really can't believe it. It's it's happening. And so they think, oh, it's just one thing. It's just this. But go. I mean, read. There's a lot of news articles now that are out about it and that can really sort of kind of blow your mind about how corporate policy can add to the systemic racism that that we experience in this country every damn day. <laughs> so. It's true. Well, interestingly enough, we did this diversity thing at school training. And I have to say, it was like a testament to the administration because they did such a good job thinking through, like, how are we going to talk about microaggressions briefly? Mm -hmm. And when we've already had many conversations about these, we have safe, we have safe space discussions. There's been a lot that's going on. But then when you think about training, Everybody always thinks, oh, it's like sexual harassment training. Like you watch right. it and then you roll your eyes because it's kind of dumb and you move on. Well, this cartoon, it was so good. And I'm going to find it so we can put it in the show notes. It's a cartoon about we're going to say we're not going to call microaggression microaggressions. We're going to call them mosquito bites. Oh, and, I've heard about this one. And it's such a good cartoon because it says, look, like you give somebody a mosquito bite, you get one mosquito bite and you're thinking, what is the big deal? But then go through this whole animated thing about this person walking through the world and like all the little microaggressions are a million 
mosquito bites and then the person blows up and you're like, you can totally understand how that person with a thousand mosquito bites a day is going to get really angry. And it's so clear. And to me, it feels like that should be set to Schoolhouse Rock. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's, it feels, and that should be playing on, on morning cartoons. It should be, because we don't, really, there are no morning cartoons anymore. Alex. I know, I know. <laughs> Wait, which, though, all of the, the, that beautiful part of our childhood and innocence is gone. It's been gone for decades. I know, but then there should be, whether it's, I don't know how we get kids to see, you know, this a whole idea, this gets me, this is a whole nother thing, you know. I love when parents like take their kids to, you know, things that kids might not enjoy because it's going to push them and then maybe they'll like it later. So, for instance, I have a love of art because I was dragged to museums as like a little kid and I did not like them, but now I love them. Or I went to the opera and I went to my first opera in fourth grade and we studied the libretto. It was a big thing. We listened to it all the time. And I have a real love of opera that really comes from being bored out of my mind in fourth grade when I didn't understand anything, but it creates a nostalgia. It creates a connection. It imprints on you. And so I do sometimes have trouble with parents. I'm not going to say American parents, but I think I mean American parents who cater to you want to go. We have to go to pizza world. We have to go to Chicky's pizza. We have to go to Chuck E. Cheese. No, go to a nice restaurant and make your kids sit down and shut up. Like and learn, uh, yeah, about good food and good culture. Yeah, and like you can public. go to Chuck E. Cheese too, but not. It's like when a kid says, "Oh, I want to do this." A kid, like every human, picks the path of least resistance. So, like, you're only going to go to this, but why don't you use some parental ideas and actually say, "Well, let me guide you." And this might feel a little bit boring at first, but the more you know, right, the more excited. You know, it's not going to be boring anymore. It's not the American parents, Alex. All right. Well, so good. So it's everybody. So then I could just piss off everybody listening. So but what annoys me about it is that we tend to have this, oh, my kids won't like this, so I'm not going to do it. I'm like, how do you know your kids won't like it? Like Mm -hmm. there are adult flavors, adult things. And I'm not, you know, like that you can expose like there's 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 different levels of learning and exposure is part of it. So. What frustrates me about the current culture of downloading everything that you want to see, like kids see and not saying, because when do you show them something where the PSA comes on? Do you know what I mean? And they get a little lesson because now all these kids will speed through that. They don't listen to it. So where is, where is conjunction junction? What's your function? See, but like one it bonds you and me. We did not, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like we, our generation has that in common. So even if, you know, I remember meeting Eric and we could talk and he grew up in, in the Bay Area and I had grown up in New Jersey and we're like, conjunction, junction, what's your function? How is a bill? It's just a bill. It totally brings us all together. And did you learn the preamble from we people in order to fall? I mean, oh gosh. But here's the thing. Where are these kids getting that? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I mean, I I don't know. And obviously feel free to tell me if you think kids are getting it. But I think all of it has come down to individual choice, parent's choice, not, you know, 
latchkey kids sitting, you know, sitting after school with their <laughs> with their Brady Bunch reruns or whatever and getting this, like whatever it was. And I'm yeah. not saying it's better. I'm just saying, but where are those meaningful things that tie us? will tie a generation together. Well, now this generation will have the pandemic, but the good things and how do we sort of make those educational leaps? And I really thought this mosquito microaggression discussion, like little film, it, 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 it was just, it was absolutely a perfect way to tell an eight-year-old, think before you speak. And especially since every eight-year-old, every eight-year-old, I would imagine, no matter what your color, creed, background feels othered at one time or another just because that's the nature of being a child so we could make that's where you could make the difference yeah anyway i'll just put in the show notes so people can share it with friends and family i was thinking about what there i don't even know what tv like i'm so out of touch and i guess that's what you're we're saying i'm so out of touch like what what do what is there for kids these days other than I, I don't even know. So if we have any parents out there that are listening, we would love to hear how you're doing this with your kids. And, so if, and if you want to come in and talk about this, we would love to hear what is Absolutely. the conjunction junction? What's the schoolhouse rock of, of 2021? What is it now? And I mean, hopefully I'll be a grandmother and be able to like, share some of this with my wow. could Dean hear that Dean yes. doesn't listen <laughs> <laughs> so you're just putting it out into I'm the just putting universe. it out in the universe you know but hopefully I'll be a grandmother one day even if I adopt my own grandkids it's funny I was describing the podcast to somebody the other day and I was like you know what it just feels you know Lenny and I were meant to meet and really if we both stayed on the east coast we'd both be living somewhere in New York and we'd be sitting on the stoop yelling at people yeah walking down the street well, drinking coffee. We would be telling everybody what they should do better as they walk down the street. And I was thinking, and that's like a happy life for me. It was definitely a careening episode of Women Bridging the Gap, which we appreciate. I think next week I, I'm going to ask Lenny if she'll talk Halloween costumes and sisterhood with me. Yes. So I would love that. <laughs> that's what we're going to talk about next week. And other than that, have a good week. Find us on Instagram and Facebook that we just shit all over. <laughs> but, you know what? but also maybe email us about your being comfortable with being on TikTok and, and maybe escaping the hell that is Facebook and Instagram. All right, there we go. That's it. See you later. 